reason that I'll turn. Hour number two, kicking off here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Go check out the new Fan Run Radio app. Do we know if we're on Android yet? It should be about that time where we're getting passed and cleared on Android because we found the users to test it. So maybe, but check it out if you're an Apple user. I know it's there for, for us. If you're an Android user and you have to wait, I mean, I guess that's kind of the problems of being an Android user. But the new Fan Run Radio app, take us on the go wherever you go. Get the podcast, live stream there, some some news from Fox Sports. Sam, what did we miss yesterday? Thanks, John. Uh, we got some interesting news here regarding uh, our new sports streaming platform here. Fubo TV uh, is suing Disney, Fox, and Warner Bros, uh, alleging anti-competitive practices. Here, they launched a civil lawsuit. Um, saying that the companies have been engaging in anti-competitive practices for years and that they're continuing to do it through the combined sports streaming app that they're intending to launch later. Bob, I know you got a big, uh, not a big opinion on this, but you got a a great insight on this. What are kind of your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I have a connection here. The guy who's the CEO at Fubo is a former colleague of mine. Um, We know each other, and uh, he's worked really hard to build this business up. But this is... I understand why they're pursuing this. This is a this is an existential threat to this to this dude's business. Um, they're they're you know they still struggle for funding and making money and um, yeah what they're what they're claiming if it's true I I wouldn't be surprised and that is these companies that are in this streaming super team Disney Fox and what I call uh, Disco Bros Warner Brothers Discovery um, they they've probably made it hard over the years in terms of what they would charge a company like Fubo to carry their services. And the other thing is one of the competitive distinctions for Fubo is that they have a lot, they're a home for live sports. They've kind of carried that moniker um, and they've been pretty solid with it, but now they run the risk of losing access to a lot of that stuff. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's a legitimate concern i don't know how well this will play out in terms of filing a lawsuit but i i understand the the frustration and i and i understand the claim i think there's probably some 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 real teeth to that but we'll see how far it goes do you watch any live tv uh, any live sports on football do you have it i've tried it before it's just too expensive that's the problem they you know they offer about the same amount of live sports as like a YouTube TV. Um, I have my brother-in-law up in Boston is a huge Fubo fan because he can get Nesson up there. He's a big Red Sox and Celtics fan. So um, in that case, that's a that's a distinction that they have versus even YouTube TV is how they carry you know the regionals like that. But gotcha. It's it's a good interface. It's a good service. It's just their pricing is a, a lot, and also their uh, their DVR capacity is you know again with YouTube TV it's unlimited. Um, with Fubo TV they can give you more recording capacity, but I think you have to pay for it or something. So it's just a dollars and cents decision. They have a good product. I've never watched it. Never got into it. Any other headlines? Hopefully, because that was only one. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Uh, P- 
Patriots uh, special team star Matthew Slater has called it a career after 16 seasons in New England. Uh, one of the more decorated special teams players in NFL history, really. Two first-team All-Pro selections. Made it to 10 Pro Bowls. Uh, those All-Pro years, 2016 and 2019, won three Super Bowls with the Patriots. Uh, was drafted there as a receiver in 2008 and is kind of carved out a huge role up there in New England and has been a special teamer uh, for his whole career. It's a guy that Bill Belichick and, and all the people up there in that organization have said has kind of just been a, a guy that's a, a role model and kind of a, a model citizen, I guess, for what the, the Patriots were kind of building and, and found establishing with that culture kind of with Belichick, but he's going to call it a career now. On one hand, it seems a little weird that you included a special teams or teamer retiring. On the other hand, like he did kind of, you know, bridge almost three eras of, of Patriots football, right? Yeah. I mean, from, from you know, what you said, you said 16 years. So at least that puts him like on the undefeated team or the year after the undefeated team that lost in the Super Bowl. Of course, that then gets you to the the Gronk Hernandez, then moving on the, you know, the Super Bowls in 17 and 18, and then life after Tom Brady. But he said, I couldn't take life after Bill Belichick. I'm retiring. <laughs> Gerard Mayo looked around and said, okay, it's time we can get rid of this guy now, finally. He's lost a step or two. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the name you know. I mean, when you do think of special teams, you do think of Matthew Slater. Like, I don't know. It's weird sitting here thinking, like, Hall of Famer? You can't put him in there. But, like, if you put Devin Hester in there and you put other, like, specialists in there, like, he is maybe the greatest special teams player we've had in the last, like, 30 or 40 years, when you look at, like, overall, like, not, like, just the returning and stuff and, like, and how long he's done it, but... Uh, I feel like we should get, like, a special teams Hall of Fame. It's just... It's not hard to put a special teamer in there, but it just makes it feel a little less significant. I think you just say... You specify, like, yeah, there's a special teams wing, and, like, yeah. these guys aren't, like, actual... Like, there's quarterbacks that, like, mattered, mattered, and then there's guys that are just, like, really good at what they did. The glue guy Hall of Fame. The glue guy Hall of Fame. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Robert Ory, not in the shouldn't be in the real basketball Hall of Fame, but Glue Guy Hall of Fame. All right, I like that. The Glue Guy Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. You should trademark that. I might. I might. We need to find a city that will let us build it. Whoever, wherever Elmer's is at, <laughs> we're throwing it right in there. Okay, yep. I like it. Okay. <laughs> I'll find out where Elmer's is located. And we'll get in touch with their with their city council. <laughs> okay. Um, Alabama has now found a new offensive coordinator. They are promoting their tight end coach, Nick Sheridan. This is coming after Ryan Grubb obviously uh, leaves Tuscaloosa to go back uh, to his Seattle roots, I guess, to go be the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks. Uh, but Sheridan, the guy who was named the Washington tight end coach, has now quickly been elevated to Alabama's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, uh, while Washington's old wide receivers coach, Jamarcus Shepard, is going to be named the co-offensive coordinator. So you got some, some co-offensive coordinators down in Tuscaloosa a year after Nick Saban's retirement. Yeah, Nick Sheridan doesn't scare me at all. Like nope. it, it, He was a tight ends coach at Washington. That's how little like DeBoer actually thought about him. It wasn't like DeBoer thought of him as some offensive brilliant mind. He was just one of the last men standing on his staff, so he gets to be you know promoted. There, there's a new trend in like I guess Twitter reporting, 
where you like these accounts will have these tweets, but then like include a graphic at the bottom. That's kind of funny. That has it's like one or two words on it. So like, I, I saw one you know a couple of days ago that was talking about how maybe Florida has the toughest schedule of all time. And it's like, is Billy Napier cooked? And then it's just a picture of Billy Napier, and it says cooked underneath it really big. <laughs> there was one for DeBoer in a report that said, basically, DeBoer has burned all of his bridges. And that basically you've seen all of his Washington assistants pretty much want to leave, and, like, nobody stick with him. Like, there's there, there people, you know, the, the defense coordinator we just got, Inge, or not defense coordinator, but the – he was co-defense coordinator at Washington and came here to be our linebackers coach versus, you know, following him to Alabama. And then, you know, then you look at the offense coordinator, you know, leaving and going to Seattle and, and things like that. And it's just saying that uh, the graphic at the bottom says bridges burned because DeBoer has burned bridges with all of his staff members. And they pretty much view him as a ship, uh, a sinking ship. I don't know if that's true. But it is weird that, like, none of his guys are really hanging around except Sheridan, who's getting a position that he's not qualified for. It's a little weird. Yeah. It's a little weird. And, by the way, uh, important to note, uh, according to Austin Price, Kelsey Pope was approached by Georgia. Georgia tried to hire him away, your wide receivers coach, tried to get him to come down there. And at least as of now, he has told them, thanks but no thanks, he is staying at Tennessee. So, you're still a coach from Alabama. You keep your coach from Georgia. Vibes, Bob. Vibes are high. Sounds like it. Love to hear it. Heading a couple L's to your your rivals. And also, Billy Napier is cooked. <laughs> Elmer's glue, by the way, Sam, is in Westerville, Ohio, which I don't know how far away that is from Canton, but there's a little synergy there. Yeah, we got the Nat, you know, we got the Hall of Fame. We got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, by the way. So maybe we can induct some of the glue guys in bands, because mm. you know not everybody can be the lead singer or the lead guitarist. Yeah, got to have glue guys in bands too. We'll put a lot of bass players in there and such. The drummers who are good, but not like, oh look at me, I'm Travis Barker, I'm banging around, and it's really sad that I'm thinking of old rock drummers, and he's the only name I could think of. I feel like Ohio is a fitting state, too, for a glue guy Hall of Fame. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. nobody loves Ohio, but, like, you got to have them in there to keep keep the country rolling. Sure. Tristan Thompson. Yeah. His time with LeBron, glue guy Hall of Fame. There we go. It's going to be tough to get the, to get the first ball. class. Yeah. He's not first He's not first class. He's not a first ballot. No, no, no. He's not, yeah, he's not going to be in the inaugural class of the <laughs> glue guy Hall of Fame, but Tristan was a good friend to LeBron. We'll have to workshop the, the first class. Uh, NBA All-Star viewership, interesting here. Sunday's game uh, drew an average audience of 5.5 million. Uh, it was up 14% from record viewership, record low viewership from last year. Um, so this is good news for the NBA, obviously. I mean, obviously you go back to, uh, to some conferences here in, in the NBA All-Star game. I still feel like the, the skills competition just didn't really do it for me that much, but I'm glad to see that the All-Star game had viewership up. I think it's probably, um, I haven't looked at the fine print, but it's probably a result of them um, bundling the coverage of the game, having an alternate broadcast, et cetera. It's probably total viewership, which would add to that number, um, having it on multiple channels, basically. Um, Somebody argued, oh, maybe it's because NASCAR 
you know, the Daytona 500 got rained out. I don't buy that. I don't think those are the same fan bases. Very different. No, it's just that we still care about the All-Star game, and there's it's still cool to see the best players in the world interact with each other and be on the court together. It's just that I, I would be curious to see, like, at the end, how many people are still watching. <laughs> I yeah. was going to say, maybe it'd be fun if we could. I agree with you. If maybe we could just watch the beginning and watch them warm up and hug and hang out, and then they just leave. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't play the game. Um, it is wild watching like highlights of like the two thousand one or two All Star game. That was a big comeback by the East. I remember watching that as a kid, and like I was rooting for the East because I, I guess I thought I was an Eastern guy. I like the Raptors, like Defense Carter, he's my favorite player. So I was rooting hard for the East to come back and to watch like that that game and see the energy down the stretch was pretty cool and just. It's almost like the NBA players were sticking a middle finger up at Adam Silver, who's been complaining about the effort in the All-Star game. It's almost like they went out of their way to make it even worse than before. Because, like, after the game, they're asking, you know, Anthony Davis his favorite parts of all the All-Star game. And he was talking about, like, the dunk show that, like, one of the, the teams put on, like, in between the quarters. It's like the Chicago Bulls and Phoenix Suns, like, dunk team. He's like, they did a great job. That was my favorite part of the All-Star game. Like It's almost like they're giving him a middle finger. Like, okay, we're making you guys so much money, the TV rights, all these things, new expansion teams. Shut up about the All-Star game. <laughs> Shut up. Anything else, Sam? Okay. Not too much. Yeah. Boring day in sports yesterday. It's Wednesday. What can you do? What can you do? We'll continue talking Tennessee athletics. We'll look around at the rest of the world in sports as well. Stick with us. On radio. Back on the program. Nationally yesterday, you had the the juggernaut, the bully of college basketball. Get knocked out a little bit as Creighton whipped their ass. 85 to 66. UConn got out to an early lead, but then Creighton flipped the switch and Creighton ran away from them. Excuse me. The hiccups. Like I'm 12 years old. Yeah, you know, just going back to Tennessee for a second because it ties into this. Last night we had three top ranked teams that go on the road and they lost to good teams, but lower ranked teams. Now, Tennessee, if they had lost to Missouri, that would have been pretty catastrophic. But, again, it just underscores what we've been talking about for weeks, that it is tough as hell to go on the road these days. And I thought Creighton could play UConn okay, but uh, I didn't think they'd beat them, and I sure as hell didn't think they'd run them off the court. I think it's a big resume win for Creighton. I think it could be a bigger resume win for Greg McDermott since his name's getting mentioned for – coaching vacancies like Ohio State and maybe some others. Yeah, yeah, it feels like he is going to be a big name in terms of some of those jobs that come open because he's had a long career at Creighton. And also we had talked about, you know, a couple weeks ago, maybe when we were talking about how you looked like him, that, (laughs) you know, he had kind of soured and Creighton not necessarily doing a good job in NIL or they're not seeing eye to eye in NIL so that maybe that relationship was going to end – or maybe it was because of the suspension, because he got suspended. I, I don't, I don't know exactly what the, 
thing was. Remember he got in trouble at the end of last year or two years ago? Oh, that's right. Something he had said I in the locker room that. or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, I don't know if he has resentment towards the – leadership from that or whatever but that just that he was going to be a name that moved on i liked creighton's team a lot last year you know they lose that heartbreaker to was it san diego state last year they lose the heartbreaker yes. too yep. i liked that team a lot I, I can't help but think about how good they would be had their lead guard ryan nimhard not have transferred to gonzaga i imagine unless it's just nil related that he regrets that because Gonzaga's not good, and Creighton's still good. And if you add him to that team with Kalkbrenner and, and Shireman, like they're a pretty good team, maybe even a top-10 team. They're a fun team to watch. I just enjoy watching them like offensively and everything every year. Um, no, McDermott's really good. And they got a good program. And you know that Kalkbrenner guy, I'm surprised he hasn't been more in the conversation just nationally this year because I thought he was going to be someone that was – Thought of as one of the best players in the country, but I haven't really heard much about him or thought about him. I mean, he's the big, he's the big circus freak himself, too. He, he looks like, um, I, I forget his character name in Big Bang Theory, but he looks like Jim Parsons to me, like a seven-foot <laughs> Jim Parsons. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's tough, that, though. That's Sheldon. They had a whole Sheldon, They had a whole 10-year show about him as a kid. I don't know right. if you're familiar with that. It's called <laughs> Young Sheldon. Young Sheldon. Yeah. Yeah. That somehow uh, made it like six or seven seasons. I, I thought I was going to be done after one, but... Credit to the popularity of the Big Bang Theory that they made that show work, too. Never watched Young Sheldon. Me neither. Um, staying with UConn for a second, they have obviously a great team, but they also have one of the premier annoying players in college <laughs> basketball in Cam Spencer. Um, he, I think I posted on Twitter over the weekend, he, he's a, he'd be a better fit at Duke yeah. than at UConn. I mean, he is... Um, talks trash. He did this, and he transferred from Rutgers because I'd see him in the Big Ten. He did the same stuff at Rutgers. He can shoot. That's why he's got value, and he plays a lot of minutes. But um, uh, that's the part of – I have a lot of admiration for UConn about how good they are, but that's the one part of UConn I hate is that kid. Well, Cam Spencer busted my ass in that St. John's game. He, yeah. he dominated that second half against St. John's, and it was the reason they kind of pulled away and – just kept hitting shot after shot whenever St. John's was trying to keep it close. And, you know, he's a guy that you can usually give him 15 points a game or so. At least he had been during conference play and was only six last night. Didn't hit a three, and that's part of the reason they probably got blown out. Yeah. Incredible stat here from UConn. They have they have 19 straight road losses versus AP top 25 teams. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say that again? Yep. UConn has not won a ranked road game since they beat Memphis in 2014. Yeah, I saw that too. Really? Yeah. Yep. Neutral site merchants. You know, that's how you win championships, though, I guess. It like is. They, they, they don't lose at home. They beat up on bad road teams, and then they – Have two national championships and in that And they have span. two national championships. Okay, so, you know, maybe that's it. You just prepare. Crowd noise, that's irrelevant. We're going neutral site, baby. We're going to a new gym every week during our camp, and we're going to practice at different gyms. That is absurd that you could be the best team in the country, get credit for being the best team in the country, win a national championship last year, get credit for you know coming back and being maybe even better this year, and you're like, actually, no, they don't beat anybody on the road. They're just good at home. Hey, i got to say, the old uh, morning show, speaking of UConn, um, head of the curve, when I was driving back from our weekend trip to Savannah, I, was, I think I was telling you guys I was listening to 
another uh, national sports talk radio station, Four Letter, um, and they were talking about specifically how UConn's not associated with blue blood programs, but they should because of how many natties they've won, you know, five and like less than 25 years. And I was like, hey, we talked about that days ago, <laughs> days ago. So a little, little plug for uh, the morning show. We know what we're doing. Bob flexing again. First, his friend was texting him, and now he's he's thinking that people are ripping off his show topics from. You said they were where? Where were they at? You said national. Yeah, it was ESPN. Yeah, I'm saying we. I'm not. No, saying I know. That. I'm, I'm saying I like it. Uh, flex yeah. a little bit. He gets out on the porch. He he gets some texts, and uh, <laughs> now he's now he's back to filling himself. Okay, love to see it. I like cocky Bob. I told a friend of mine at the on the porch here he goes again with more friends let's keep we get it you got some friends all right i'm a loser no one hangs out with me i was by myself last night it's fine i watched the game alone with my dog who i had to give apparently hydrocodons to because he has a bad cough i've never heard of getting high giving hydros to a little 13 pound wiener dog but that's what the that's what the vet told me so i had a frank who is running around like a meth head (laughs) Just running around. That's who. I, that's who I watch the game with. Meanwhile, Bob's got more friends. He's texting and texting Sam behind my back. He's cutting me out of that relationship, and and now he's got another friend on the on the porch. Let's hear it. Who was it? Oh, what'd they say? No, I was just telling that friend, like, hey, let's keep in touch, but you have to text me. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'll have my people call your people. <laughs> no. We'll schedule a lunch. I'll just check your calendar. I'll send you an invite. Uh... No, some, some biometric access to Bob. <laughs> yeah. He's like Coach K. That's why he hates Coach K. That's why he hates Coach K. They're one of the same. Yes, please swipe your fingernail whenever you come into my office, and I'll, we'll, we'll let you know. Your fingerprint will let you know if you can get back and talk to me. Not true. Not true. Oh, man. UConn didn't take much of a hit in terms of seeding. Like, they're pretty much locked into a one seed. Which does beg the question how they're locked into a one seed if they don't beat anybody on the road. But either. Well, top 25 teams on the road. Well, I know, but I'm assuming that anybody road. that they beat that's any good on the road is going to be in the top 25. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, so, sure, so there are some solid teams that would be deemed as good road wins or whatever. But, like, I, I know they're a machine, so I'm not really surprised they're 24 and 3 or whatever. But, like, I do wonder how quality some of those wins are. I don't know. Maybe they've got some good neutral site ones. Tennessee, on the other hand, they fell down to 19th. Their offense took a little bit of a hit in terms of their efficiency. They went from 12th, I believe, heading into the weekend and then coming out of the Vanderbilt game in the Missouri first half have fallen to 19th. That's getting to the danger zone of where you are are deemed good enough offensively to win a national championship. Yeah, they dropped, what, from 5 to 7, I think, in uh... – Overall, Ken Palm, too. They did, yeah. It wasn't a good game for them metrically. But it doesn't matter, of course. It's all about wins for Tennessee at this point, And they avoided a bad loss. But, yeah, I thought that, uh, thought that was eye-opening. I hadn't really considered Creighton as a contender at all this year because they had lost Nimhard and he had gone to Gonzaga. But maybe they still have enough firepower to – to be a tough out. That could be a potential team that you play in the Sweet 16. Well, they've they've reloaded this kid, Ashworth is his name. He had 20 points. and he, I mean, I've watched them a couple of times. Uh, I agree. I was surprised. Uh, when I saw Nembhard leave, I was, first of all, surprised he went. But I guess he's following his older brother right. in his path. But 
Um, I was certain that was going to hobble Creighton quite a bit, but it doesn't seem to have done it. Yeah, Creighton, uh, you know, going into yesterday was kind of slotted as a four seed. And, you know, maybe a win against UConn is enough to bump them up to get, you know, close to that three seed consideration, or at least maybe they could play their way into it. I wouldn't really want to play that Creighton team in the Sweet 16. I think that'd be a pretty dangerous team just because they have size. They have a guy that might bother Jonas and Awaka. I agree. And it just hit me. This might speak again to the job McDermott's doing because we talked about they lost Nemhard, but it reminded me just a couple nights ago I was watching a little bit, just a little bit of Kansas State and Texas. Kansas State has a player, Arthur Kaluma, who was a starter at Creighton last year. He transferred out for whatever reason and went to K-State. So he's, he lost two starters last year to just from last year to transferring. So they've reloaded pretty well. Um, According to Lenardi, UConn back to being the two seed, Purdue. Really? Back to being the number one overall seed, which that's why, you know, I, I hesitated to call them a loser coming out of the weekend. They, they lost uh, at Ohio State, but they didn't really lose much. And, of course, now just three days later, back to where they started. And that's, <clears throat> that's where we get to uh... – you and I have talked about this with bracketology. It's so like fleeting because <laughs> yeah. I, I mean UConn. That's, I mean they got they got spanked last night, but that's a that's a far more quality loss than Purdue losing to Ohio State. So I don't know. I'm I'm a little surprised Purdue got moved back into the overall number one. But maybe maybe Lenardi's like, wait a second, they haven't won a road game, a ranked road win in <laughs> yeah. how long? Never mind, this can't be my number one overall. See, these guys can't win on the road. You sure that didn't just happen in real time? Maybe he heard Sam mention that. It does say it does say it was eight hours, nine hours ago. Okay, yeah, it does say nine hours ago. We had talked about Creighton. They are right now after the game ranked as the number one four seed. So yeah, they are next in that cut, you know, that line to to move up. Baylor lost last night, so that, I can't imagine that gap is too wide between those two teams. Yeah, Ten- ba- ba- Tennessee matched with Duke and Houston right now. In case you were wondering, Ugh. Duke, Houston, and Illinois are the uh, one three and four seeds in Tennessee's region. I feel good about that. I was going to say, Illinois worries me more than uh, Duke, honestly. Um, I would love to play Duke in the Sweet 16. Yeah. I'd take our chances with that. Same same type of game we had last year. Now, I don't know if we have the same toughness. We don't have the goon to come set the tone, but maybe you tell a walk. They're softer, too. Duke's softer this year, too. You tell a walk to goon it up a little bit. Maybe they bring in – Phillips, and he's our goon. He comes in throwing some bows. <laughs> what were you about to say, Bob? Sorry. Oh, not, not a lot. Baylor, uh, you mentioned they lost uh, on the road at BYU. Um, BYU's just kind of, you know, they're, they're ranked. They're 25th. They're just dangerous enough. Again, you know, when they're playing at home, looks like anything's possible for them. And, and then San Diego State, who I – I only pay attention to now because of how they played last year and got to the Final Four and, well, championship game. And um, they got beat on the road last night, too, against Utah State, who's actually a pretty good team. They've been ranked at certain points of the season. You know, Mountain West is kind of a sneaky good conference anyway. So um, not not big seismic losses, but it just, again, uh, reaffirms that no matter how good you are right now, you, get, you really got to come ready to play on the road. The toughest I've seen in a long time. Any other thoughts that you need to get off right now on college basketball? No. Okay, we'll switch gears after the break.
Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just... College football made it official. The powers that be made it official yesterday. We are headed for a 5-plus-7 college football playoff this upcoming year. 5-plus-7. We got the dates of when it'll be. The first round, go ahead and lock it in. Call off work. Well, the good news is you might not have to call off work, I guess, because of the week it is. December 20th and 21st. Those will be the first round of the college football playoffs, which Tennessee is probably going to be playing in. Have you seen the month lineup that that it transitions into? You go. I imagine that's going to take you right into a jam-packed NFL weekend. December 20th and 21st, you've got the first round. Then the quarterfinals are on December 31st and January 1st. The semifinals on January 9th and 10th. And then January 11th through the 20th is just NFL football and then college football title game. Wow. Unbelievable. Say that one more time. December, you're basically going to have football every single day besides a 10-day gap from December 31st to, like, January 20th, it feels like. Yeah. That feels good. Yeah. So, a Friday night. So, basically, it's a Friday, I assume night, but maybe not. Maybe it'll be, I guess, since there's going to be four games that weekend, maybe it's, those are going to be double headers. then, I guess, right? The 20th is going to have I would think. maybe like a, a 3 o'clock start and an 8 o'clock start or a 4.30 and 8 o'clock start. Maybe how NFL does, like, wild card weekend a right, little bit. Right, right. Or even, like, the, I mean, the, the way they do, like, the Sunday of conference championships, too, and, and you know, the – Friday and Saturday, yeah, I'd imagine you'll get two doubleheaders. A Friday night is interesting. I mean, I know they've said forever, like, the NFL's not going to play on Fridays because of a deal with high school football and all that. And college has gotten into the Friday night game at times. These are big games, though, for a Friday night. Bob, that's traditionally the weakest for TV nights, right, in terms of – Friday, well, a Saturday worse, it's I a guess. toss up. It's a toss up between Friday and Saturday. Okay. Okay. Go ahead and mark your calendars, though. Do you prefer, Sam, for, for Tennessee, do you prefer the 20th or the 21st in terms of our uh, playoff game? Um, Probably the 21st. Yeah, a little yeah. Saturday, all day tailgate action. I prefer January 20th, though, the title game. Well, yeah, one thing at a time. <laughs> Sure. One thing at a time. I don't know if we're ready to get to the title game this year, but the playoff, like I said, go ahead and lock it in. Probably going to be in Knoxville too. We feel good about that. Could we be a top? Could we be a somewhere between fifth and eighth? Yeah. Fifth and It'll eighth. It'll be close. Is that too high? It'll be. You close. don't sound. You, you sound like you were ready for a road trip on the twenty first. I'm more in like the ten range. Okay, I'll get us on the road then. It's going to be tough to go in there and win a win a road playoff game going to be tough especially with Josh Heupel and his success or lack thereof on the road it doesn't give me a lot of confidence I, I think Sam it's going to be really important we get uh, let's just be a top eight team I'm yeah I'm, I'm getting nervous now too with you saying that feels very important that you know if we can get the six the six seed that'd be pretty good because then you maybe you get the three who's going to be weaker than the one or two obviously three seeds usually you're kind of right for the pick in there 
Okay. That's our goal. Be a, be the number six team. I don't want to be higher. Number six. Go with me. Okay. December 20th. That's going to be cold. These, yeah. these, these on-campus games are going to be really cold. I don't think I fully considered that because, like, the – the ball games typically in warm climates. The championship games typically indoors. The SEC championship indoor. The national championship is always indoor. How do we feel about the December twentieth and twenty first out on college campuses? Like, what's the weather going to be like in Knoxville on the twenty first? It's going to be pretty chilly, right? Football weather. Yeah, I mean, think about just a couple of years ago. We had about four inches of snow. Around that time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember that around Christmas. It was like in 21 or something like that. But, uh... I mean, so many kids begging for those playoff <laughs> tickets for their Christmas gift. <laughs> I remember when I was eight, trying to make the my Christmas wish. Every time they asked me to write a list for Santa, it was always just, National Championship tickets, please, in Tempe, Arizona. My parents were like, I don't think so. I was like, well, that's what I'm asking for Santa. That's what I'm asking Santa for, so we'll see if he's real. We'll see if he comes through for the boy. We'll see if he's clutch. Didn't get the tickets. Didn't get to go. Had beef with the big man ever since. It's going to be so many kids asking for playoff tickets. It's going to be cold. <laughs> it's going to be cold. Better start, <laughs> better start you know, going ahead and thinking about that as you make your, your football season purchases. Maybe get one of those jackets that's a little bit heavier. Because typically I don't have to worry about that. Typically like by the time November rolls around – I'm like, ah, I don't really care about going to the Vanderbilt game. It's fine. I don't really need anything too heavy when it comes to Tennessee warmth, when it comes to my gear. Basketball season, you can just wear a jacket and take it off when you get in there. You don't have to worry about anything heavy there. Baseball season, you can wear a pretty light jacket, light hoodie. Got to start thinking about December football, though. I think it's exciting. I love it. I was against it at first. I just didn't think we needed 12 teams. But I will say that I'm much more excited for the season knowing that there is a 12-team playoff waiting for you versus a four. If it was a four-team playoff, like what would we even be talking about our goals being this year? Like let's just pretend it's a four-team playoff. Are we saying playoff or bust? Are we saying, hey, we can maybe make the playoffs? Is it, hey, 10 wins are good, you know, be a top 10 team and get into the, you know, get into a New Year's Six Bowl? Is that what we're looking at? Because I got to tell you, Saying the playoffs are the goal is a lot more exciting. That is a part of what I've always liked about the NFL more than college football was that there was something tangible at the end. Like winning a championship, obviously the goal for a lot of people, but it's not realistic for a lot of people either. So as a Titans fan, I've never really been like Super Bowl or bust. It's like, hey, let's win the division. Let's make the playoffs. Now with the Vols, we could kind of be that too. Like national championship, yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be cool. You have the program that can do it. You have the facilities and the, the means to do it. But shoot for the playoffs, and that means a successful season. It's a lot easier to feel happier. The Orange Bowl was cool, but it wasn't like I hung my hat on it. It wasn't like I was like etching it and hanging a banner for, hey, one in the Orange Bowl. But if you make the playoff, that's, that's, that's worthy of doing. So I do think from that standpoint, expanding the playoffs has been a big, big win. Because now you probably have how many fan bases, Bob, across the country that think they can make the playoffs this year? What number would you put that at? That could win the title? No, 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 no. Just make the playoffs. I'll make the playoffs. Yeah, win the title oh. is probably like four teams, yeah. five teams. Yeah, I would say at least 20. Yeah. 
I think anyone ranked probably yeah. thinks they can, right? I would say so. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, you know, if realistically the 23rd team's like looking and saying, you know, we have a chance of doing this or not. But you probably have like, what, three or four group five teams that are looking and saying, hey, they say the highest, the fifth highest ranked conference champion. There's only four conferences now that are the power conferences or whatever. So we got a shot. That probably gives you four or five teams. Is James Madison eligible this upcoming year? Because they're probably licking yeah, their chops. I yeah. think they are. They're licking their chops like, we can do this. Yeah. Well, they don't have Signetti now. You know, their coach is gone. He's gone to Indiana, so. That's true. Do you think that just means that they're done? Because, like, their programs are good at everything. Like, they're good at baseball look and they're him, good at look basketball. Look him up, John. Too. Look him up, you know. Yeah, look him up. <laughs> I know he he's win, a winner. He wins just, everywhere. Maybe. Google. Sure, fair enough. You're right. Um, Google, no, Google him. Yeah, Google, Google him. me. Um, do you think it's such a good line. <laughs> do, you, do you think that it shifts any sort of value on the conference championship games? I think it doesn't because it's locked in that only the conference champions get to have a first round bye. But I'm I'm just saying if say it's I don't know say it's Big Twelve and say that I don't know who I'd pick out of the Big Twelve. Let's just say for the sake of argument, Baylor's undefeated, but they get to the conference championship and they lose to I don't know again Central Florida. Um, does Central Florida get? I mean, do they get placed in that? Or yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah. That's the – Well, I guess it depends. I mean, like, I guess you can't automatically say that Central Florida would in that scenario because they do have the wiggle room of saying the five highest-ranked conference champions. So, I, I do think that protects you a little bit. Let's say if UCF is 8-4 and four or it's a weak conference, then a James Madison that's 13-0 and won their uh, conference would get in over them in terms of hosting – the first or having the first round bye, I should say, but yeah, no, I mean, the conference champions get an automatic bid, so the conference championship games now maybe matter more than ever before. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Um, the other thing I found interesting, and you, you all may have seen this, but um, for once, Notre Dame gets kind of pinged on this, uh, because they could be number one in the country, but because they're an independent, the way I'm seeing it, the best they can do is a five seed. Which, if you're them, maybe that's like a guaranteed cha-ching, it's a payday. Like, hey, we never have to worry about that first-round bye. We'll always get to host an on-campus playoff game. And if you're the number one team in the country, I don't know if, like, the AD and the president would, like, tell the truth. But, like, if you're the clear-cut number one team in the country, getting a home playoff game against the 12 seed and getting that atmosphere and getting to celebrate, because you'd probably go in there as, like, 15-point favorites or so. 12-point favorites or so, might be worth it just to get a playoff win. If you're the head coach and you can say, hey, my playoff resume, I got a win. I got a playoff win. Right. That that means more than a playoff buy because they don't put buys on resumes. Additionally, they don't have to play a conference championship game, so one less game, yeah. you know, which is good for your team from a you know health and well-being standpoint. Yeah, it was a unanimous vote, so obviously Notre Dame didn't have a problem with it, so they might be looking at it from your, your perspective of, hey, man, we're fine with this. Now, it was a unanimous vote, but the – Conferences were the ones voting, though, right? Like, did Notre Dame get a vote on that? They did. Okay. They did. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, like, and plus if you're them and you play your last game in, at the end of November, probably don't mind, you know, getting a game three weeks later because if theoretically you were getting the the first round bye, you would go from not playing it until the end of November, like Thanksgiving weekend to, to the quarterfinals or December 31st. That's a full <laughs> month. Yeah. So maybe like, hey, you, we'll, we'll knock the rust off on the 20th, like I said. We'll take the 12 seed. It's no yeah. big deal. We'll yeah. be on. We'll be at home. We'll be on campus. Get to celebrate a playoff win. 
That's pretty cool. And could that 12 seed be the other, the the non-Power 5 conference? Could be. So it could be Coastal uh, Carolina or James Madison or someone like that. I mean, I would say most years that will the 12 seed will be the, the highest ranked. Yeah, Group Five champion, right? Because there's no guarantee that 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 they get to be a to host a playoff game, right? There's yeah. no there's no like safe haven, there's no safety net that's like, hey, yeah, you don't get a bye, but if you win your conference, you host a playoff game. There's none of that. They so, just they're just guaranteed a spot, right? So yeah. I would say most years that the highest ranked Group Five champion is going to be like the number twelve team, which makes for an interesting dynamic. And, a, that's got a March Madness feel to it, right? Yeah, I was gonna say like you know if you're the five seed, you might be like, hey, we've had to play a champion. This is not fair. They're they're thirteen and one versus my opponent, who's the six seed. They're playing somebody that's nine and three. That's not fair. I do like the wrinkle or the possibility of like making your conference championship game though, and like kind of overachieving at nine and three, and then getting embarrassed and going from like rank number eleventh to like fifteenth and missing the playoff. Can you, like, decline the invitation? Like, hey, we don't want to go. We're good. <laughs> Just put us in the playoff. We're good. We're, we're ranked number 10 right now. We're in. We don't want to go out here and get our, our eyes beaten shut and, and drop those couple spots. They are literally – this is just an observational thing. They are literally calling Oregon State and Washington State the Pac-2, which cracks me up. It's like – Tupac, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, poor guys. I'm looking at the way too early top 25. So, of course, everyone in the top 12 is going to think, hey, playoffs are a goal. I'm just going to go down from 13 on. Utah, yeah. LSU, yeah. Oklahoma, yeah. Florida State, Tennessee. I know we're talking about it. Oklahoma State, that one feels a little iffy. But I'm sure they think, like, hey, we can win the conference. But – I don't know. They don't feel like a playoff team. Clemson down at 19. NC State. Maybe they're like, hey, if we beat Tennessee. I wonder if they're like, hey, we, why are we playing this Tennessee game? Or if they're looking at it like, hey, this is a good opportunity. Because Tennessee going to get a boost, apparently, from beating NC State if they beat NC State. I guess that's a, a game that is going to matter. It's going to be a top 20 matchup. And winning that game might carry some weight with the you know your resume. We, we keep talking about Tennessee's schedule and talking about the big three that you're playing and that you probably need to beat one of them. But maybe beating an NC State team that is ranked in the top 20 that maybe goes and, and you know goes to the ACC and wins nine games, maybe that's considered a resume building win. So if you sprinkle that and you combine that with a uh, a home win against Florida and some road wins and beating Kentucky and such, maybe that resume would be good enough at 9-3. and three. Although I still think you probably need to beat one of your three. Kansas State, Louisville, Kansas. I think that's the cutoff. Like, Kansas isn't thinking they can make the playoff, right? They're ranked number 23, but they're not thinking they're, they're a playoff contender. Surely not. Is Jalen Daniels back for them? I can't remember how many. He's not years listed on their big losses. Okay, yeah. So it says if he can recover from a back injury, the Jayhawks would be dangerous. Blah blah blah. He's a nice quarterback, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to act like Kansas has a great shot at the 12 team playoff. They lost three starting offensive linemen, so I feel like that's kind of the cutoff. I got Kansas. No, SMU. 
maybe. Iowa, no, Iowa knows better. I was like, we could we could go eleven and two. They're still not putting score us twelve in. points in your season before yeah, you get to the twelve point uh, playoff. I don't know, man. They got Tim Lester. <laughs> you never know. They could be an offensive force. They could improve a little <laughs> bit on offense, scoring like nineteen a game. So I, I'll, I'll say it's closer to Bob's number of twenty than it is twenty five. Yeah, maybe there's some unranked te- unranked teams that are thinking that, but I don't feel like that's very realistic. There'll be one team that comes from out of nowhere, as there'll be some teams that fall off, of course, in the top 25. But if you're telling me that you can get 20 fan bases excited for the postseason, I think that's a, a successful accomplishment. Because I think if it was just a four-team playoff, what does that number shrink to of teams that would think they have a chance to be a top four? Ten? Eight? Maybe. Eight, maybe? I think eight. Yeah. I'd agree. So inclusion and getting more people, more seats at the table, I, I do think is ultimately a good thing. And then, of course, I, I do think the on-campus playoff games will be really cool. There might be blowouts. That's what I'm most excited for. I can't wait for that. Yeah. So not the next round on the neutral site where you have the best eight teams in the country. You, you're more into the five through 12. I think I'll be more into the first round than the second, honestly. Just because of the newness of it? or Yeah, yeah. and I think I just – yeah, I mean, I just – obviously college football atmospheres are already elite in the regular season. I think if you just get that in the college football playoff, like an SEC and you know SEC stadium, that atmosphere. I think you might be onto something there, Sam, just by saying that you're more excited for the first week versus the second week because there is a chance that, like, the second week you got your three or four juggernauts there waiting fresh. Yeah. And, and they just beat the eyes shut of the teams that come off emotional wins the week before. Yeah. Like, there's a chance that I, I said that the spreads are pretty high in week one. They might even be higher in week two. Like, I feel like it might just be the cool week one matchups of seeing home games and stuff like that. And then, you know, you get one or two decent ones in the next round. But then you're just looking forward to the 14 playoff that you always got. That eight seed that wins week one that has to go and play, you know, the number one team in the country. Maybe, maybe they have some confidence. Maybe the vibes will be high. Maybe they can come in and keep it rolling. Or maybe they, yeah, they're, they're like a lamb to slaughter. And like, hey, at least we won one game. We got that one win. But, uh, yeah, no, the, the the home playoff game I do think is going to be the most interesting thing in college football next year or this upcoming season. I agree with you. What are the chances we think someone from like 7 to 12 – makes it to the championship game because bob said it has a march madness feel do we actually think a team that's like seventh through 12th can can go and make the national championship because that would require them winning three games i think so if you think about some of these teams okay maybe not the perfect comparison but think about like a penn state who on paper they've done they don't do well in, you know, Franklin doesn't do well in big games, but just on paper, they've been kept from really being in meaningful games because of the division they were aligned in in the Big Ten behind Michigan and Ohio State. Right. Um, so if they could get hot, and that because there's a really good chance they're not in the four buys again, but could they could they go and take down someone like a Michigan? Possibly. You know, I I I think there's. 
I think there's a few instances where a team could be getting hot at the right time and could play absolutely at the level of the four teams with buys. The team that finished seventh in the rankings this year is like Ohio State. Like you're telling me that an Ohio State team coming off of a loss to Michigan in the game gets a chance to get into the playoffs is just like, that's a hungry team, you know? So they would have played what? Either they probably would have played Ole Miss, I guess, or I guess LSU would have – Oklahoma would have gotten knocked out to whatever Group 5 team was there. So it would be like, yeah, Ohio State taking on Penn State. Yeah, they'd win that game. Could they have won two after that? Like, I just don't know if, like, if they couldn't beat Michigan, why do I think they would all of a sudden turn around and beat I – mean, I guess they could beat Washington maybe in the second round. Then they're playing the winner of, like, Texas and somebody. So, I guess theoretically. and Same for Oregon. You know, I think Oregon was good enough last year to to win a couple games. I thought they were the second-best team in the country all year, and I, I guess I was wrong about that. They couldn't beat Washington, but okay. The rest of, like, those teams. So, you know, this year you'd have had Florida State, Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon hosting home playoff games. Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, and then whatever group five team. So Florida State would have taken on Ole Miss. No, Florida State would have taken on the Group 5 team. Correct. They probably would have won. Georgia, Ole Miss. We already saw that. I don't know if we need to. See, that, that's what I lose a little excitement for the playoff game. Like, we saw Georgia and Ole Miss play in the regular season. We saw them win by like 30. Is that going to be different in a playoff atmosphere? Probably not. Same as like Ohio State, Penn State. We saw that in the regular season. Yeah. I don't and know there's no way to avoid those matchups either, like they do in the NCAA tournament for basketball. You know, like they could maybe do some like because the it is it's not a computer; it is the committee like getting together. So maybe they could be like, "Hey, yeah, these teams are close enough where we could justify putting Penn State 11th and Ole Miss 10th, and then all of a sudden you get Ohio State, Ole Miss, and then yeah. that one maybe you're interested interested in." That's an interesting point too, in that. Again, if I'm drawing a comparison between college football and basketball, it may be, it may not be equivalent that, like you were just saying, a Penn State, they lose to Ohio State three weeks earlier, that they, they've got the horses to turn around and win it again. And they Bas- win two games after that as right. well. Right, and basketball's, basketball's different. That, I think, you can, you can see something like that happening. But I, I, th- I think football's entirely different in that regard. And then the other 8-9 matchup, Sam, would have been Oregon hosting Missouri. I don't know if we needed that game either. Maybe maybe if you just swap out the name Missouri and make it another team that's the exact same, maybe you're interested in it. But, like, the idea of Missouri going to Oregon Would you have watched, like, too. Oregon LSU with yeah. Jaden Daniels and yeah, the neighbors fun. and all them? Yeah, yeah that would have been fun. And I, I would watch all these, or at least, sure. yeah, I mean, I'd keep an eye on all these. It's just I don't think any of those would have had me excited, especially when you say that those teams that I feel like would have had their opponents overmaster at home. But you just want to see at the table, man. And there's more seats, and that's going to be fun. I think the Oregon example is a good one. I think that's a team that could, you know, I I was with you. I thought they were one of the two best teams in the country most of the season, but they just couldn't beat Washington. Right. They couldn't do it. Washington beat them twice, kept them out. Hour two in the books. Hour three coming at you. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Are you 